This is the Acting Up Podcast with your host, Allie Goodman. Hey friends, welcome to the Acting Up Podcast, a backstage pass to the life of a working actor and mom raising a kid with special needs. So this last week was Valentine's Day, and uh, it coincided with a five-day weekend for Jackson's school. Oh, lords. Lords and ladies. Let me just say, a five-day weekend in general is hard. A five-day weekend that actually was technically, was it a six-day weekend? Let's see. Hold on. So Valentine's Day was Thursday. We always pull Jackson out early on Thursdays anyway, but they had a... They had what they they do an early release. They did an early release, but he was already out. So for us, that didn't really affect us. But he was off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He'll be off Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, I guess that's five days, right? I, yeah, I can do math. It's good. This is why I went to school for theater. Uh, so five day weekend coming up, craziness, and I, I didn't realize it was a five day weekend until Thursday. When I was like, well, that's weird that they had an early release. Maybe I should go check the schedule and see why the, oh, no. And the deal is apparently, you know, Monday is President's Day. And Tuesday uh, was this Institute Day, which, you know, all schools do. I don't understand it. I didn't understand it as a kid. I don't understand it as an adult. But the point is that the kids are off school. So as a kid, I loved it. As an adult, I'm like, what am I going to do with my kid? So I ended up uh, going to, I called up his his clinic and asked if they had extra hours. So Monday, he was able to get extra hours. So <laughs> yeah, but Sunday was a, it was a, it was a day because John was out uh, tutoring uh, as he does on Sundays. He has two students and that had me home with both boys. Normally, we would drive down to the city uh, and go see my mom, but the roads were so bad and it was snowing so hard that I didn't want to take them out and I didn't want to drive. So <laughs> I was home with both of them and Jackson definitely was Jackson. I, I think he wasn't feeling well because he was great in the first hour of time that we were alone. And then he started to melt down big time and I had to put him in his room and he ended up falling asleep for like three hours, which was not not like him. He's not a napper. He wasn't a napper from the age of about two and a half on. So there's, it was just shock to say the least. So uh, yeah, that that was bizarre. And he's fine though. I mean, he's been fine. So I can't imagine that it's that whatever it was that he was fighting off, he was fighting it off at me. Let's just put it that way. It was one of those days. So uh, I took the brunt of it, and then he napped, and he was better when John got home, which, you know, say lovey. Let's talk a little bit about taking your kid in public and taking them in public specifically in a restaurant. So this is something that has been a stressor from really early on, actually, way before we knew any of Jackson's diagnosis or anything going on with him. I was a first-time mom. I didn't have any any clue to think any differently than what we were seeing. And nobody made any comments to us that we should be concerned or have anything that we should be looking out for. I want to say he was around one, maybe a little older than one. And he had already exhibited things that, that I had seen that had, you know, maybe concerned me a little. But this was not one of them. We were – one of the – 
the first thing that I ever saw Jackson really become sort of obsessive with, and I use that word in air quotes, you can't see them, but I am, I'm using air quotes, uh, was when we were at our friend's house and she had a ceiling fan and he had never seen one before. He was a baby. And he just was like enamored of the ceiling fan. And that's not atypical. That's pretty normal uh, for any kid. I mean, this thing is spinning around. It's kind of neat to look at. And when you're a baby, an infant under one, that's a fairly appropriate thing to be kind of really interested in. With Jackson, it got almost to an obsession where anytime now to this day, if we go somewhere where there's a ceiling fan, he points it out and he has to look at it and he's staring at it and he's so excited about it. It's like the biggest deal to him in the world. I don't know what it is about all those revolutions, but since spinning is his preferred stim, I'm I'm not surprised that this is a, a thing that interests him and is a thing that he looks for when we're out. So that's fine. But back then, it just seemed like an appropriate thing for a little baby to be interested in. And my friend didn't seem like that was weird. She was like, oh, look, he really likes the ceiling fan. That's kind of whatever. You know, nobody thought anything of it. So especially not us. Uh, So we went to a restaurant and it was my whole family without John. I think John had to work that day. And we were all out at a, a bagel, a deli like a bagel shop. Okay. So we're not talking like high class lunch. We're not talking anything, you know, hugely, you know, tablecloths or anything like that. It's loud. It's a deli. This is, you know, people sit and eat at a deli. And at some point, and these ceilings are very high, and I believe they have ceiling fans. I might be wrong. He might have just been looking at the rafters. I can't remember. And he was making this very, I mean, he had he has a loud voice. So he was making a very loud sound. And it was something to the effect of like, ah, 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 and like loud, right? Okay, fine. Okay, so that's a baby. He's about a year old. I mean, that's what they do. They make noise. They're babies. And we're in a deli, in a big deli, like not like a tiny little deli with just like you walk in, you buy your food and there's like two seats. Like we're talking like, like a restaurant deli. So it's loud there. It's tile floor. It's high ceilings. So his voice is going to carry a little because he's a baby. And that's what happens. Well, at some point during the meal, I, I don't know, I was eating. My mom was holding Jackson. This woman walked up to my mom. I thought she knew her. And she starts making comments that all of a sudden I overheard, darling, you just can't do such things. And I I perked up because I thought, well, you know, someone who knows my mom isn't going to call her darling. It's bizarre and I got up and I came over and I said what's going on and the woman said is this your son or is this your child and I said yes he's mine thinking she's about to compliment him because he's a beautiful baby right oh no 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 she decided to school me on the proper manners that a one-year-old should have when they go to a restaurant and she told me very what she thought was gently, but really was condescending. Uh, she put her hand on my hand. She put her hand on my arm, which let's just start by this. You're a stranger. Don't touch me. Okay, let's just start there. And she put her hand on my arm and she said, darling, he, he's so loud. And I said, yeah, I know he's a baby. It happens. She's like, no, you cannot. You, he's, you have to quiet him down. And I just looked at her. And I'm like, he's a baby. I can't quiet him down. She's like, he ruined 50 people's lunches today because he was so loud. And I said, he's a baby. That's what they do. I don't understand what you're talking about. And she said, then you need to not bring him out anywhere. 
Okay, let's just unpack this for a minute. First of all, he was a baby. Second of all, he was making noise. Yes, I'm sure he was loud. I'm sure he was annoying to some people, but he certainly wasn't the only baby in that place. And he certainly wasn't the only child making noise in the place. He just happened to be the loudest because he's a baby and he, you can't reason with him to tell him to Shh, keep it down, buddy. You know, you. I mean, I can do my best to, to distract him, but he was into what he was doing. Okay, so we did our best and whatever, lived our lives and it happens and it is what it is. But this woman decided that my child was the reason that her lunch was ruined. And I don't know if she went and talked to the management about it. But at some point, somebody had come over to try to give him a cookie, which he didn't eat. It was just very strange. The whole thing was weird. And I was really offended. But I was also really a young mom. And, and I say a young mom. I was an, I'm an older mom in that I had my child late. But I was a young mom in that I didn't know how you stand up to people because in my world I probably would have been annoyed too so you know before I had kids so I get get I got that part but like I didn't know how to talk back to this woman and tell her you know basically to shove it up or you know where so I I didn't and I just you know I felt terrible and I felt really guilty and I felt ashamed but let's unpack this for a minute so she comes up to a, a stranger and tells them that their child is too loud. Well, that's just rude to begin with. Okay, first of all, he's baby. He's going to make noise. You can, shh, lady. The second thing is, in our world, and we didn't know this back then, a lot of Jackson's inability to be redirected really had a lot to do with the fact that he had autism and we just didn't know at the time. So a lot of this, like, well, my baby wouldn't do that or my kid can, you know, whatever – it wasn't our situation. Our situation was we really did have a child that was unable to be redirected in some ways or be interested in things that he should be appropriately interested in at, at that age because the gaps become bigger and bigger and bigger as time goes on. So it, 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 was, a, it, was, an, it was an untenable moment for me because I didn't know what to – how to respond. And later on, and knowing what I know now, I would just – dare her to come up and talk to me about my kid now because I would definitely have some choice words for her uh, and I'm sad I didn't have them back then but again I didn't know what I didn't know I tell you the story about Jackson prior to his diagnosis prior to what we know now prior to how I would advocate for him today because I think there's a lot of parents out there that deal with this whether you have a special needs kid or not it's highly inappropriate for somebody to come up ever and give you parenting advice and I can't tell you how many times I've gotten that I had some random dude walking down the street when Jordan was crying. Jordan was an infant. I mean, we're talking like a month old crying because he's a baby and he probably was hungry. And I was in a bookstore and I couldn't get out fast enough to sit down somewhere to feed him. It happens. And this gentleman walks up to me literally as I'm about to pull out my boob and feed him and says, you know, if you blow in his face, he'll stop crying. And I was like, how about I blow in your face, dude? Like, what? Do you get away from me. Like, get stop giving people unasked advice. Stop it. Stop. Stop coming up to mothers and parents and deciding that you know better. Even if you do, like just offer some support. Okay, I will talk about that in another whole other episode. I have an entirely different episode about how to give proper support and what you should and shouldn't say, but that's coming up later. So this is specifically about being in public and going into the restaurants. So as Jackson got older and as we got really clear even prior to his diagnosis into his diagnosis we began to realize that uh we just thought we had a very rambunctious kid and both of us used to joke that it would be weird if he did not present later on with a diagnosis for ADHD because he seemed very 
energetic, more so than some of the other kids that we had seen his age. So that was really all we ever thought we were dealing with. We didn't think further ahead than that, but we kind of joked that he was going to be, you know, more difficult as he got older because ADHD can be difficult and we have a lot of it in our family. My, John, my husband has it. My brother has it. Uh, I think one one or two of his kids have it. Like there's a, And my cousin has it. Like there's a lot of ADHD in our family that's been diagnosed and probably a lot that's been undiagnosed. So we were, we kind of looked at each other like, yeah, a lot of times during Jackson growing up and saying, yeah, this is going to happen. He's definitely going to be diagnosed later on. So we knew, you know, we kind of had that in the back of our minds. And so we weren't shocked by that diagnosis in any any stretch of the imagination, only more shocked that they won't diagnose that until later on. So fine. Um, as as Jackson was growing up and we and he was getting out of a high chair, because it was way easier when he was in a high chair, because he can just pop in the high chair and strap him in. But once he couldn't fit into the high chair anymore, when we would go to restaurants, it turned into this thing where we had to put him in seats where we would request booths as often as possible. And we would go to restaurants where we could contain him because if he given an opportunity, he would be up and out of the chair in seconds, seconds, like where he would almost fall down because he would just couldn't sit still. So anywhere he couldn't be strapped in, we had to actually lock him in. And to this day, we do this. I mean, even though now he's at a point where he technically can sit for at least a small amount of time at a restaurant. I mean, as long as he's eating, he will sit for a while. Jackson's one of those kids that he really loves his food. So he will sit and eat it. But when we are at a restaurant, if given the opportunity to sit in a booth, he's in the inside and one of us is sitting next to him, usually John, because right now I'm usually the one attending to Jordan. But even before, John was John was always better at distracting him than I was. John, John and Jackson have a very special relationship, and I was usually one taking the photos. So, you know, there you go. It works out well. So we like booths for that reason because it keeps him contained. Otherwise, he will see something like an open door or something that looks like a, an alcove, and he will run to it. To this day, he will do this keeping him from eloping to some random area that looks interesting to him. It's like he gets this interesting glint in his eye and he looks over and he sees something that he wants to explore and he's off. Like, and he is fast. He is a fast, fast boy. So chasing after him is almost impossible. One time he got all the way down a set of stairs before John reached him. I mean, it was, he's, it can be a dangerous thing because he doesn't look before he runs. So if it's out in the street, he will run in front of cars. He he just doesn't think because he doesn't, it's just, it's a, it's almost like a compulsion in him and an impulse and a compulsion. He doesn't know how to stop it. So <laughs> yay, yay for that. So lots of times it's just much easier to keep him in a situation where he's contained and even at home he still sits in a booster seat that has straps that lock him in he does them himself now he actually straps himself in he likes it I think it makes him feel I don't know secured in at his grandmother's house at my mom's house he's not strapped in anywhere and he's often running all the time and I think it actually is hard for him when he doesn't have the inability to get up I mean he asks nicely to get up he's very you know he'll say you know can I get up when he does when he's strapped in but at my mom's house it's like he's off and running so I find it more difficult other things when we're in a booth if we can choose one that he has the wall behind him rather than another set of patrons sitting in the booth we will always choose that every time doesn't matter which way it's facing it does not matter we we like a wall because then he can't bother anyone because he will he will he will get up and he'll stand on the 
booth in the booth and look over and try to bother people. That doesn't happen as much now uh, as it did maybe six months, six to eight months ago. He's a little bit better about that, but he still will do it. Or he'll try to touch something or if we're at like a place that has like, I don't know, sconces or anything, everything has to sort of be moved out of his way because he will find something to mess with and make it crazy. So an example of a very stressful experience I had uh, with him. Well, we we all had because we were together. We had been out driving and we ended up trying to find a place to eat. I don't remember why we had to be out, but we had to be out for a reason. And we stopped at a restaurant and the restaurant was so packed we couldn't get in. And I had Jordan in, in his car seat and Jackson and John was with us and we stepped in and they said it would be a 20-minute wait. And again, strangers. Oh my goodness, strangers. Why? Why do you have to make comments? You don't know me. And I made a comment to John. I said, yeah, that's not happening. Looking down at Jackson and he, of course, agreed. And this dude says, my kids could handle waiting 20 minutes. And I looked at him and I was like, actually, John said, I guess your kids are not autistic. And then we left. Because why why are you making comments just be supportive okay so we left and I think the leaving is what triggered a lot of this so Jackson got really upset that we had to leave because he was ready to eat and it was just that's a meltdown right there in the middle of the parking lot which was not good got him in a car got him to another restaurant we got in it was fine we were sitting there John got up to go to the bathroom I started to feed Jordan Jackson was waiting for his food to show up it was it was I mean I think it was literally on the way and I'm I have a boob out I'm feeding Jordan on the other side of the the booth and Jackson gets upset and he starts picking up things and throwing them and I don't just mean throwing them but like throwing them at other humans he doesn't realize he's throwing them at other humans he just thinks he's throwing it because he's trying to get my attention or get upset or whatever it was well, I, you know, have to take Jordan off my boob. I throw him on it back in his car seat. I running around picking up the things that he just threw. I sit down next to him and I'm telling him he can't do that. And he starts hitting me. So this is all happening. I have, my boob is still out. I'm now soaking my shirt because I can't get the, I can't, I'm trying to hold Jackson back. I'm crying. Other people are watching this. I'm freaking out because I'm hormonal. I mean, Jordan's probably not even, maybe two months I'm hormonal. John is gone at, in the bathroom. I'm by myself with Jackson. He's thro- thrown all the jam things. Everything is on the floor. It's an absolute disaster. And I am losing my mind. And I'm thinking to myself, why do we even attempt this? Like he's, this was not that long ago. You know, he he had been good. Like wh- where does this come from? Like why does this just happen out of nowhere? And it's like I put my guard down, which I shouldn't have done. You know, so I, I want to talk a little bit about the hypervigilance that we have to be on as moms and dads and parents of kids with special needs sometimes. Because when you have a kid who's a little erratic and doesn't always listen. Now, again, I know kids are kids and I know they do these things, but my kid is not a toddler. My kid is a six-year-old. He's capable of sitting still. Even if he's going to have a, a temper tantrum, it's not really a temper tantrum for him. It's a meltdown. And the difference between them is emotional and uncontrollable. And even in Jackson's case, If he's doing it to get attention, which I think sometimes it is about the negative attention, it's about something, he's trying to get something from me, he doesn't have the verbal skills to get what he wants. So this is how he has to respond. And it's very hard for me to hear that in the moment or or rationalize that in the moment because all I'm doing is now picking up the ketchup bottle that he threw at another human being and it's at the floor. So you have to understand that this is incredibly stressful. So I'm not going to say that I didn't fall prey to this idea that maybe we should just never go out. You know, I I kept him home for a lot. 
for a lot of times when maybe we might have made choices to go do something together as a family or in public. This was prior to Jordan. Uh, and I know that there were times when I was like, no, it's let's just stay in. It's easier to just feed him at home. And that's uncool. Like that should not be the situation. The embarrassment or the shame or the whatever it is shouldn't enter in. But it does because as you've seen, people tend to make comments and people make you feel worse than you already do. One of the things that I have to remember is that because Jackson, I feel like I have to explain him away sometimes to other people. And that's hard because I don't want to have to explain. Everybody doesn't have to be public about their situation. Like I I know that the moms will be like, I know we're trying to look for solidarity. And it's like, yeah, you didn't have a nap today. It happens. And but it always comes with this. It's always fraught with this feeling of shame. And I don't want there to be shame in that. And I don't want to be projecting that shame. I'm sure I do still. But I want to work at this idea that we don't have to project this shame. We don't have to feel bad because our kid is having a hard time. And again, if your two-year-old is melting down in the target, I'm not judging you. I'm sure you think I am, though. I mean, I, me personally, I'm definitely not judging you because Lord knows I have a six-year-old that does the same thing. And that's way more open to judgment. I took him once he was maybe he no he had already had his diagnosis. It was very soon after his diagnosis. So it was he was he had to be three and a half. He was almost four, and we were in a makeup store. I don't even remember. I was picking some. I had a gift card and I was buying something. And the woman in there who was our who was helping us said, "Well, I was going to give him a lollipop, but he was he was naughty, so he doesn't get one." And I I remember feeling like I didn't know how to advocate for him then. Like, he didn't know how to say to her, you have no idea what we're struggling through. You have no idea what we're going through right now. You have no idea what he just got diagnosed with and what we're dealing with. We're just trying to make things accessible and figure it out and understand him and learn all this stuff. But it's like, you're not, I don't know, are, are strangers, should strangers be privy to our our inner struggles of what's really going on? I mean, in Jackson's case, he, his disability, and I use that word, you know, with love and care, is invisible. Unless you know or unless you understand autism or unless you can see it or unless he's in the middle of stimming, a lot of times he just looks like he's being a, a be, he's being a kid with really cra- crappy behavior, which is not the case. So am I supposed to wear t-shirts that say like, autistic kid, don't blame, you know what I mean? Like, how am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to walk in and just like announce to the store, hey, if my kid throws a fit, it's because he's autistic, okay? I know he's a six-year-old and I know he doesn't seem like a toddler, but developmentally he's still a toddler. I mean, I'm not supposed to do all that, right? That doesn't make any sense. So navigating the world and figuring out when it's okay or when I should share that information or when it's when we are supposed to handle that is so it's hard not to mention picking restaurants that have the right kind of seating that are a little bit more casual so that you know jackson if he does decide to elope it's not this horrible thing where i'm like dodging people with you know trays and that in a different you know that are like not don't understand kids or you know you're not supposed to bring children there i would never do that anyway but you know uh but on top of it is navigating the menu so a lot of kids on the spectrum are picky picky eaters or they're on a special diet when we were gluten-free and dairy-free oh my gosh finding something to eat for jackson was you have no idea he also doesn't eat meat he eats fish he does not eat meat so if tuna's on the menu we're in good shape but if there's no tuna fish sandwich or there's no eggs we're in trouble so it's you know (laughs) 
it's finding the right food, you know, and, and he's dairy free still. So like finding stuff that's dairy free or, you know, it's 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 definitely a it's a struggle. It's it takes a lot of effort to think about and think through and really decide if we do a lot of research online before we ever walk into a new restaurant because we need to make sure that it's going to work for us, work for him and work for everybody. I mean, granted, yes, we, of course, we check the menu, but we I mean, if I they have pictures, I look for them and make sure. Uh, the other thing that is hard for kids on the spectrum in general and kids with ADHD is waiting. Now, we all know that waiting, kids have a hard time waiting, but I can't just give my kid an iPad and he'll sit and read it he, he or play with it. He won't. He'll be bored. He'll kick. He'll scream. He'll throw a fit if we have to sit and wait. Waiting is very, very hard for Jackson. He doesn't get in, interested in games. I wish he would. I wish I could bring him an iPad and he would just sit and do that until it's our time to go to the table. So if it's longer than a five-minute wait, it's rare that we will sit and wait. It is very incredibly 100% rare that we will sit and wait. Uh, other things for us that's a really big thing to note is the bathroom. I almost always or John will always go check out the bathroom when we get there because if there's an air dryer, we know that we're going to have a meltdown. Even if he doesn't turn it on, even if even if he doesn't use it or I don't use it, if a stranger uses it, or even if it doesn't get used at all, if he sees it in there, he will melt down. Paper towels are key, are king, are the best thing. Any air dryer or the look of an air dryer in a bathroom will cause an absolute meltdown. So we have to prepare ourselves that that's going to happen. If we know he has to go to the bathroom or we have to take him to the bathroom, we know he's going to have a meltdown. It is going to happen. You're going to, and, and the entire restaurant's going to hear him screaming. I'm not joking when I say this. The entire restaurant will hear him because he is so loud. So that's always a, a struggle and a, and, a, and a decision. Do we take him to the bathroom or do we run somewhere else in hopes that we can find a bathroom that doesn't have so, so much stress for him? So these are a lot of the things that we navigate. Just trying to take our kid to the restaurant, to a restaurant to eat, out to eat, to go do something. Uh, obviously, we frequent a lot of the same places because we know that they have those menu items or the things we need or the types of booths that we like to sit in or all of that. And a lot of times we will choose not to go out just because it's easier not to. I'm, I mean, I will just be honest. Sometimes it's just a hassle. Plus, it's cheaper to stay in. I mean, that's not you know not notwithstanding and not should not be the reason but you know often is so yeah so anyway uh that's pretty much what I have to share with you I wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, my friend Meg who has been an amazing mom friend to me for so many years we our kids are a couple our oldest are a couple months apart and her she has three boys and is an amazing mother and I wish so hard that we lived closer uh some of her family lives out here so we see each other randomly when they drive in and she's just been an exceptional friend to me and I'm so grateful because having those people in your life is necessary it takes a village it takes a town it takes an entire country sometimes uh, to do what we need to do so other things coming up for us in the next I want to say maybe, you know, weekish or so. I'm going to be on or have already been maybe when you listen to this on WGN radio, getting interviewed by Patty Vasquez uh, in the evening slot, at, I think around it was a 1015 slot and uh, talking about this podcast. So how exciting is that? Uh, I know Patty 
also has a child with special needs. So there's a great connection there. And um, I encourage you to listen to the segment. You, you can always check it out on my social media pages. So I'm on Facebook. You can find me at Ali, A-L-I, Real to Real. That's R-E-A-L-T-O-R-E-E-L. And I'm the same name on Facebook on Instagram. So you can find me at Allie Real to Real on Instagram. Um, if you do Twitter and like Twitter, you can find me at Allie, A-L-I underscore Goodman. Uh, and now the Acting Up Podcast has its own website. So you can go to actinguppodcast.com and find the podcast. Uh, it'll take you to Podbean, which is where we host this podcast. Also, we are now on Stitcher and on Spotify. And I believe at this point, we are now on Google Play. Whoop, whoop. So you can pretty much find us anywhere that you get your podcasts. And obviously, we're on Apple Podcasts always. So by all means, please rate and review us. We really love that because it just helps the, the moms and dads who need to hear this podcast will find us because then we get seen in the algorithms a little bit better. So um, we would love that that kind of help to to get this boosted up for more people. Please ask me any questions you want. You can find me on the social medias and you can quest ask me questions. If we're friends, you can message me or text me. I, I love having your questions because then it helps me build topics for future episodes. So that's that, my friends. Hey, look, this is not easy and the navigation of all of this is difficult, but I know I know we're making strides. I know we are. I know we're making steps in the right direction. So just take it one day at a time one minute at a time sometimes one second at a time and just hang in there friends we're in this together 